I want to thank you all for being here today. I know that you have options, and I am honored by your time and grateful for your support of the church. Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, the author of The Little Prince, uh, wrote, If you want to build a ship, don't drum people together to collect wood, to do the work, and give orders, but rather teach them to yearn for the immense and endless sea. Maybe that's how it works. We stand on the shoulders of giants and see a clear vision of something ahead of us. Progress, deeper understanding, peace, a better time. And there just down the road, we identify our reason to begin, to work, to hope. Whether our chosen giants be social reformers, scholars, prophets, or personal heroes, it is by their efforts we are lifted to see beyond them. And then as we climb down from those shoulders, the vision necessarily shifts from external to internal. It is held then as an idea, a meaningful direction, and the memory of a broader view. Yes, a yearning. And it is with that yearning, that longing, that we in points past have begun to work. Were this not true, we wouldn't be collected here in this place today. But we outlive our giants. With our noses to the grindstone, we may well lose all sight of the point on the horizon by which we began to navigate. Or perhaps as we neared it, we kept moving the line and hope that our best guesses and labors of love would keep us moving in the right direction. As years pass, we may find that uh, we have only a vague sense of our interpretation of the original vision that propelled us into motion. Along the way, we may have achieved some level of success in our endeavors, modest or noteworthy. We may feel confident that we have made a difference and have had some impact on the world and thus have justification for resting or resigning. On the other hand, we may come to feel tired, defeated, futile, spent, too weary or apathetic to care about an old idea. 
what we have or have not previously accomplished is of no consequence in today's message not for what we're considering today certainly it has value but it's not the point whether we have comfortable lives or not productive careers or not healthy families or not a circle of friends or not living commendably being good honorable people of character may give us cause for self-satisfaction and give those around us something to remember and celebrate us by but where we plant our flag the march stops if we let go of the drive to go on one more step if we lose and fail to chase that longing as individuals we cease to grow we cease to grow spiritually and therefore live a life less full than it could be otherwise here at the church we are charged at every turn with the responsibility of continuing that journey in our unison affirmation alone we pledge to quest for truth to serve human need and to endeavor to grow into harmony with the sacred we see it again in our denominational principles it's in our mission statements hymns covenants readings and celebrations in the in gathering liturgy that for decades we read aloud here um to show support for new members and to promise them that support there were portions that read we have prepared a house is a house of truth seeking where the scientist can follow a quest and the mystic can abide in a community of searchers it is a prophetic house outrunning times past and times present in visions of growth and progress visions of growth and progress I don't believe that a plan is the same thing as a vision. And vision does not arise from any meeny miny mo which way do we want to go? It can't be purchased at Barnes and Noble. It cannot be taught at Harvard. Truly inspired vision springs from the very source of life independent of our lessons and practical labors remember john lennon said that life is what happens while you're busy making other plans he also wrote that we die with no vision of truth 
Vision, I believe, is the result of spiritual fitness. And fitness, a fitness that does not and cannot spring from personal stagnation. We tell the story with some regularity around here about the monks that are told that the Messiah is among them. Our Messiah very well may be here. Just sleeping and not know that they're the Messiah. And I don't mean that disrespectfully in any regard. Treating one another and ourselves as though we may well be the visionary that has that which we need to propel us forward into into really being all that we possibly can be may well create that reality here. I can't speak for everyone. Though I will say, I think that probably many of us are lost, have lost our way. Personally, I may have been spiritually stagnant for as much as a decade. And it took a dear friend who every hour faces the real possibility of death to point that out to me. And restore that longing inside me. What about you? Is that longing still alive? Can you remember what it feels like? Or have you also grown too comfortable with your conclusions, your current understanding, the way that you've just decided things are in the grand and mysterious. Epictetus wrote, it is impossible for a man to learn what he thinks he already knows. And Adelaide Stevenson said, freedom is not an ideal, it is not even a protection, if it means nothing more than the freedom to stagnate. Adding information, accumulating facts, getting larger here and there, is not the same thing as growth. If the longing is not there, then you're not growing. We are not growing in the ways most significant and profound. And profound. Profound. It must have been foidal. Uh, how can we say with integrity that we are truly, or that we truly desire to be, a peaceful, nurturing, safe, accepting, open-minded community if we are fixed 
in our beliefs and attitudes and are unwilling to do anything about it. I'll admit that to some degree I have enjoyed sitting back and thinking to myself that I get it and other people don't get it. Those other people sit there and go, she's just nuts, leave her alone. Or that's just Barbara. But my convictions and my understandings and beliefs had not altered discernibly for five or ten years. I don't really know when they stopped. But that's long enough. And it would be safe to say that I'm not alone in this matter. You may wonder how I can stand here and call things around here stagnant when so much has changed or so much is different. I have no idea who Irene Peter is, but she wrote, just because everything is different does not mean that everything has changed. We've worked so hard. We've worked so long and we've come so far. Still, after all these years, we need a considerable, substantive, and enduring change. We need to cultivate vision. There are ways to go about it. There are things we can do to rekindle that longing. They do not happen on their own. They are not easy. They are not comfortable. How can they be? Most of the time, comfort is antithetical to growth. Scott Peck wrote, The truth is that our finest moments are most likely to occur when we, feel, when we are feeling deeply uncomfortable, unhappy, and unfulfilled. For it is only in such moments propelled by our discomfort that we are likely to step out of our ruts and start searching for different ways or truer answers. And Gandhi said, you must be the change that you wish to see in the world. It's not something we do once. It's not something we do a few times and then get to stop. To genuinely change anything, one must begin at the most basic level. To genuinely change anything. To generate change in ourselves, we must begin there as well. Back to fundamental questions. We start by systematically asking ourselves questions, the answers to which we have probably begun to take for granted. Who am I? Where did I come from? 
what created me, who, what, where is God, what do I value, what are my priorities, listing them top to bottom. What do I routinely do that supports these? What do I routinely do that stands in the way of my being more effective in these areas? What is my ultimate purpose for being on this earth? Basic questions. If in our evaluation we see that our answers have remained constant, if our understanding of self, religion, the world is the same as when we arrived here, then guess what? We are not growing. The degree to which we believe ourselves to have to be finished with the journey is the same degree to which we are dying. And we cannot hope to grow a church if we are not growing. We have to grow ourselves first and continuously. The French philosopher and Nobel Prize winner Henri Berfin, or Berson, I don't know how to say his name, I'm not French, nor do I speak it wrote, to exist is to change. To change is to mature. To mature is to go on creating oneself endlessly. Creating oneself does not stop with middle age or even beyond. Who we are is not defined by, by our externals. Job, family, talents, that's not it. Who we are, in essence, is more akin to those precious intangibles. Love, courage, compassion. Things that cannot be located, measured, or proved through empirical means. But that no one among us, I believe, would deny exists. And our job is to give that essence, those precious intangibles, as much life as we humanly can. Because more is always needed. Even Andy Warhol noted that the way that things, they say that time changes things, but you actually have to change them yourself. If you want energy, you identify what gives you energy. You identify what you do that prevents you from having it or contributes to the lack of it. And then you adjust patterns to address it by what you've discovered. The same is true for joy, time, sense of purpose, direction, hope, balance, progress, Heart, courage, faith, understanding, 
in life. We look at what we want. We identify what we're doing that prevents us from having more of it. And then we adjust to correct it. All of these things are integral to spiritual fitness and growth. Life is change. Change is life. Change is living. Things around us may be different, but the change we need as a community, the change we need as individuals who care about the world around us, who stand united in the belief that they can be better and that we have to be or can and want to be a part of making that so, the change we repeatedly covenant to make is within ourselves. I see lots of long faces. I know that it's, oh God. <laughs> a lot comes with all this. It's not just work. Stuff goes with it. You get a lot out of it. And not just pain. <laughs> And less time. But it is in ourselves that we must start to become truly visionary and prophetic for our time. Otherwise, we become irrelevant. If we focus on building the vessel and do not frequently revisit that which inspired its construction... We'll forget the lessons upon which we build. If we do not continue to explore the wonder of the sea and make heroic journeys, why do we even need a ship? According to Pearl Buck, you can judge your age by the amount of pain you feel when you come in contact with a new idea. Which would be funny, except that Darwin said, it's not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent, but the one most responsive to change. Those of us who think we have all the answers we need, as well as those of us who know we don't but are unwilling to change, ought to be silent. Let the children speak. Let the questioners, the seekers, the agitators carry the day. And prepare yourself to welcome their creations to welcome their creations, for it is they who have the greatest chance at a vision of truth. If, however, we are willing to again face our inner inquisitors, then let us begin. As we develop our understanding and appreciation for the ocean that even now is ours to travel, the longing returns. It does come back. It can reawaken and fill us 
with enthusiasm. As we identify and address previously unrecognized and unacknowledged impediments, the sea that is deeper living will once again call to us. And as each of us answers, we will find that strange as it may seem, we have begun to grow a ship. <laughs>